Welcome in. This is your Tuesday Scramble for January 25th, 2022. I'm Rick Gaiman, that right there, Andy Lacken. Andy, thank you very much for your flexibility this morning. I'm a few minutes late because my CBS thing ran long. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> no problem, man. Um, happy Farmer's Week. Happy opening week, as some, way, some would say. Um and Xavier Shoffley, as uh, as as others would say as well, Do, is that the first Xander comparison that you've gotten, or is that a thing that you've heard before? Shockingly, I do not get compared to Xander Shoffley in any possible way. Uh, the only thing that I ever get is uh, what's his face, Sean McVay. That's what everybody always always sends me about. Nothing ever about Xander Shoffley. <laughs> okay, Sean McVay is pretty good. I could see that. I, I didn't think of that one, but I could see that. I'm not good at that. Like, I don't see it. I, I mean, I guess I understand it, but like I, we went to a Rams game maybe a year or two ago and uh, literally a thousand people were like, are you his brother? Like what is happening here? So like that was, that was when I learned about it. And then it seems that when they play on national TV, someone will send me messages about it. Huh? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Well, Either way, good publicity for the show. We'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. And you, sir, uh, doing some local news in San Diego. That's what we were referencing there. So if you didn't see Andy, uh, what what network was it? Koozie. Koozie, Koozie. So that's local to, local to San Diego, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, I have the Twitter link in my in – my, um, it's on my Twitter too. And you went on there, you gave a little bit of a farmer's preview, which we're going to get into here in a bit. And I believe you're going back again. You're so, so good. They got to have you back. Yeah. So I am going back on Friday morning and I'll tell you this very quick story and then we'll move on. Yeah, please but go ahead. I, I, uh, I sent the link to my mom and dad and I was like, cause I was like, Hey, first time on television. And my mom responds and she goes, cause, because Rick, I've, I do like five shows a week at this point. I do so many podcasts, but obviously I've never been on television. So the first thing my mom says was don't go on television and call him man. <laughs> I get, I, which I even like noticed because I'm like, I, I'm call the so anchor used man. to like, yeah, I'm so used to like podcast speak. So I guess when he was like, Oh, thanks for, Thanks for coming, Andy. We'll have you back soon again. And I was like, oh, no problem, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> Mom was like, on TV, don't, don't call him man. And I was like, That's oh, funny. shoot. That's a good point. Now I'm self, because I didn't, I didn't realize it. It was like self, second nature. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, uh, my mom watches my YouTube stuff on, on her television and she thinks I'm on TV. She says, I watched you on TV. <laughs> I said, no, you watched me on your TV. You did not watch me on TV, which is like very subtle words, but a very big difference. <laughs> well, hi, Mrs. Gaiman, if you're if yeah. you're watching now. She, she probably is. Uh, Amex, let's recap the American Express real quick. Hudson Swafford gets the job done, continues a trend of long shots. Andy, he was 200 to one. We talked about it countless times coming into the week. Maybe the strategy was peppering the triple digits. That ends up being... Correct. And this can, this event continues to, I don't know. I don't know. Allow long shots to actually win the golf tournament. It's kind of strange. Yeah. First of all, congratulations. I, I saw you were on Swafford. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hell of a sweat there on Sunday, but that shot that he hit into 16 uh, kind of sealed the deal. That was pretty impressive, but yeah, I think 
I mean, we heard John Rahm say it himself, Rick, and it's interesting because there's a pretty stark contrast this week because we're kind of going to the opposite course. Um, but anytime you right. get to a course um, where some of those advantages like long iron play and, and driving distance that the top 10, 15 players in the world are so good at and that's how they separate themselves. Like this is not one of those courses. This is one of those courses that Mark Wilson can win at. This is one of those courses that Brian gay can win at. Right. So, uh, that is going to be more conducive to a greater number of players winning. And I think that is why you will, a smarter strategy is maybe pepper some long shots more because no one's really out of play at a tournament like that. Yeah, I think I had eight guys on my card last week. All of them, well, no. Nobody was shorter than, I think, 41 to 1, but six of them were 100 to 1 or longer. Uh, The only two that made the cut were Hoagie and Swafford, so I got bailed out, but it was not like a great card that I constructed it by any stretch of the imagination. So, yeah, it was uh, a little bit scary, but he he hit some big shots at the end. Um, Matthew Wolf, Taylor Gooch, Corey Connors all missed the cut. Rank them in terms of how surprising that is for each one of those guys. I would say Connors is the most surprising. That might be biased though, because I, I loved Connors last week. No, I think um, that's admittedly. right. Yeah, I go Connors, Gooch, Wolf. By the way, yeah, just a little tease for the farmers. Don't jump off Wolf this week. Okay, dude. I so I'm we'll we'll get to this, but I'll just tell you right now. Um, I already bet him again. So I felt like if you like, I I bet him last week that worked out beautifully, but the point is like, you want that volatility and there is, this is probably like a top three or four spot for him on tour. So I I think I have to bet him again. So I just said, you know what? Bite the bullet. I fired again. I agree with you. Yeah. 70 to you can find him as high as 70 to one. Yeah. Yeah, I think I got him at 60. Yeah. No, but I I'm all in on Wolf this week. Okay, uh, let's do a little bit of a one-and-done update here. So I am getting my uh, tail whooped. So I did indeed have Taylor Gooch last week. So I add $0 to my total, which I believe I believe the only money I've earned this year was at an event with no cut where I was guaranteed money. I'm at 170000 Luckily, Andy, you did not necessarily extend too far. You got 55000 from Scotty Scheffler. You are now at six eighty-five. dollars about $500,000 clear. Yeah, and I'm feeling pretty good about things. I burned Scotty last week, which I, you'd like a lot more than a T25 on uh, from, from Scotty Scheffler, but I'm okay with it, right? I didn't burn Rom or Cantlay. Um, so yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, I'm confident I can basically let... Now, when you're playing with a lead, I don't want that to change my strategy too much, right? Uh, but I'm uh, yeah. I'm feeling pretty good at where we are in the very early season. Uh, that's the point. You probably shouldn't be changing your strategy on the fourth event. You should probably just stick to whatever. <laughs> Based on your standings, you should probably just stick to whatever your plan was coming into the year. Because, yeah, there's 30-something to go, which is always fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You flip that even if... Like, even if you have a guy that finishes top five and I have a guy that finishes 50th, I think you take the lead, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm, I'm one crack away. I'm one crack yeah. away from, uh, flipping this right around. Um, couple of other items before we move on to the farmers. Uh, if there are any, I do want to do a bit of a, 
a heavy kind of betting uh, angle or DFS angle. And I've got our, our five matchups that we can talk through in a second, Andy. But if there are any uh, comments or storylines that people want to drop into the chat, we can cover those as well. We are well prepared to talk about really anything that goes on. But this is Farmer's Week. It's Tory Pines. You and I will not only be out there, but I think that you and I are fairly well equipped to speak about this golf course and the way that it might set up for some of our competitors this week. Yeah, I've been, I went to the US Open in June and I went to two farmers as well in the prior two years with Leishman and Rose. Um, I think it's a pretty, pretty easy golf course to figure out on the surface, right? Rick, like you're going to hear a lot of the same things about Torrey Pines. You're going to uh, kind of a prevailing narrative for formulates, right? Where long off the tee, good long iron player and POA putting experience mm -hmm. on POA greens and short game. Right. And I agree with all of those things. I think all of those things are correct. I think what makes it interesting is, you know, what angle can you take to maybe differentiate yourself a little bit in DFS? Like, what do you think the thing about Tory Pines that people aren't talking about that they should be talking about? Is there one or do you think we have it pretty like maybe it is that simple as long off the tee, short game and poet putting? I think it is. Uh, the thing that people tend to overlook is that the course history here is not as sticky as people want to think it is. So, so here's what ends up happening. Um, people will look at John Rob and they'll be like, well, he's dominated. People will look at uh, Tony Fina and say, look at all these great results. Then they'll look at like the multiple time winners, like Sneds has won twice, obviously Tiger, but he's not human. Jason Day's won it a couple of times. So, so people will be like, oh, it's super sticky. It's really not. When you look outside of winners, when you look at like the entire field, and even uh, if you go to the top of the board, you'll see a lot of guys that have like miscut, miscut, T3, miscut, T9. Like it's just, there's a lot of big numbers lurking that can kind of swing the cut and you'll see a lot of big names miss the cut. And I don't think people consider that enough just because we're spoiled with like four or five guys that have really good history. That's interesting. I like that a lot. Yeah. I, I noticed that too, a little bit guys like Justin Rose, like he's been awesome here. He's also missed a couple cuts here. Who do you think the guy is? Who's the guy that, that burns everyone this week? Who's the big name that misses the cut? Hmm. I mean, I would be dangerous to say it's John Rahm. I don't think that's the case. It's probably, it's, it's probably Xander, right? I mean, so the sample Fair. at the sample at Tory is like four missed cuts. And then recently the two top tens, I'm pretty bullish on Xander, but I would not be all that surprised to see him miss the cut. Right. The, the other yeah. option would be uh, from a DFS standpoint, the other option would be Tony Finau because the the path for Tony and all these top 15s has been that this is the best putting course on the PGA Tour for him. And if Tony Finau had a poor two rounds of putting, would you be at all surprised? And then he goes on and misses the cut. Not at all. That was actually my answer, Rick, was yeah. Finau. Because I think Finau is going to be like 20% this week because of the courses. And I understand it, by the way, 100%. But you're right. This is one of those weeks where um, there's going to be a couple good big names that that it's not going to work out for and we're seeing some of them for the first time this season so we don't even totally know where everyone's game is at 
Uh, here's Matt Murray in the chat. What's Bryson's path to victory this week? I obviously have some thoughts on this. I imagine they're similar to yours, Andy. I really like Bryson this week. I actually bet Bryson at 22 to one. So I think his path to victory is very similar that from the path that took him into contention at the U S open, which you look at the U S open and it reads 26th and like minus seven around the green, like Bryson had a share of the lead on the back nine of the U.S. Open with nine he, holes to play. He was shredding the course through 64 holes or something. Yes, and I think the formula for Bryson is if he's driving the ball well, uh, this is one of those courses with very narrow fairways, right? And Bryson, over a large sample size, number one player on the PGA Tour in long iron proximity from 200 yards plus. Now, is that because Bryson is a better iron player than Morikawa or Justin Thomas or Daniel Berger? No, it's because from 200 yards plus, Bryson's hitting an eight iron and most guys are hitting a four and a five iron. And I don't know how familiar you are with Kikuyu Rafrek. Unfortunately, very familiar. It's the worst. You cannot hit a four and a five iron out of Kikuyu rough. So the formula for Bryson is you put him on a course with narrow fairways, a long course, and he actually has the ability to chop wedges and eight irons out of this rough. And that ends up being a huge advantage because other people can't do that. That That's the path. The path, right. The path is the path is club head speed. And the path is don't lose seven strokes around the green. Now he has been much He's been much worse around the greens recently, nine straight events. He's he's lost strokes in the category, so I don't know if I should be worried about that. I don't know if I should be worried about the wrist injury that he cited to uh, withdraw from the Sony Open. I don't know. Again, he's probably one of the guys with the largest range of outcomes. If he missed the cut, I wouldn't be surprised. If he won the golf tournament, I would not be surprised, but... Um, we'll see. S- similar story for Matthew Wolf, which is why you kind of have to pair those two together. It's why I bet Matthew Wolf again. Me as well. You brought up something that I wanted to talk about. Um, oh, guys playing for the first time. DJ. DJ's making his start. Yeah, DJ's making his 2022 debut. And I think that he might be one of the more fascinating storylines for 2022 because 2021 was the first time he didn't win, right? We didn't see him at the Century of Tournament Champions because he didn't earn his way into it. And he has been a much better putter than others uh, would realize. He's basically John Rahm putting in the last 50 or 100 rounds, but he's just missing out on that ball striking that we've seen be elite at times. So what are our DJ expectations, not only this week, but for the whole year? Golf is such a, I feel like in other major sports, Rick, it's so easy to, we have all these trends and predictors for when a player starts to decline right? Like, you know, 35 year old point guards, right? Like once you hit a certain age at, at quarterback outside of Tom Brady and stuff like that, golf is so difficult and hard to predict. And I think you could look at DJ last year and say, well, if he didn't putt well, he would have had a much worse season than he had. And it was the worst season that he's had in about a decade. Right? So Maybe is DJ turning into a different guy? And at the other hand, it's like, well, I don't know. There's a lot of variance. There's a lot of different things that can happen. One year in golf, as crazy as this sounds, still isn't as much of a a giant sample size as you would think. So 
I'm interested to see what DJ is going to do. I'm probably more so in the camp that he's going to have a big bounce back year. But if you want to tell me, look, DJ, maybe he's lost a little bit of a step. Um, I would hear that out. His results would certainly back that up. It's just kind of hard to tell Rick, like that, that lineup that I won the, the Mayo contest. And I had two guys over 45 in it. Right. So mm. it's golf. You, you, you never really know. It's golf. You never really know could be the tagline for this podcast, every podcast <laughs> and every tournament farmers insurance open. It's golf. You never really know. Like that should be the tagline for the PGA tour. Um, okay. Andy, we're going to deep dive into uh, some matchups because we're going to play that little game here in just one second. I still want to talk about Patrick Reed and John Rahm more in depth. There, there's a lot more to get to, but we're going to take a 30 second break. Remember, Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field, but I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those two together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Okay, Andy, let's do our matchups. I think this is uh, something that will spark some really good conversation. So what we agreed to do is I found five matchups and we will each take a side here and then we will keep track of these over the course of the year. All of these, I believe, are from Caesars, I believe is where I got these. Uh, but I will mix it up. But we're still on board with that, right? We'll take these five. We'll each take a side and we'll just track it for a while. So does it, because what I'm worried about is you oh. just playing the odds, you could just take the favorite every time. But do you get, like, are we doing mm. a, a hashtag units thing? <laughs> I'd love to not do a hashtag units thing so that I don't have to keep track of it. Okay, how about this? No, uh, okay, you could exploit the system if you want to take the favorite every single time, but uh, you would be you would be chastised for that. And also, um, I just, listen, no, it's golf. I, I, Anything can happen. Okay, I, I, I agree with that. And what we could also do sometimes is we can stray away from matchups that are like over minus 150. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just keep more coin flips going forward. Although John Rahm was a big favorite against Patrick Cantlay last week and Cantlay cashed that one. Yeah, certainly. So I agree. Okay. That sounds like a good formula to me. All right. So we'll just keep our records and obviously pushes uh, are possible. So first one, Daniel Berger versus Hideki Matsuyama. What side would you like? Berger. I love really? Berger this week. Yeah. Wow, I love I'm Berger stunned this by week. this. Rick, can you explain to me why Berger is 20 to 1 at every sports book despite missing four cuts here? There's something fishy there. So I get it. Right. Like I am a Daniel Berger prophet. He is statistically a top eight-ish player for a long period of time. He's doing everything right. I just don't think this is a good spot for him. Don't you have to hit a bunch of high draws around Torrey Pines? Uh, not, I, you have to hit it very high, but Berger's unreal from 175 plus. Yeah, but he, it's, I, I cannot get the image of him trying to hit a high draw at Kapalua out of my mind and he can't do it. 
Like there, I think there's a reason why he has not had great success here. And I think it's his shot shape, but I like, like basically 25 out of 26 spots a year. I feel like I, I, I like burger. I'm not sure this is one of them. Well, he finished seventh at the U S open and gained over six strokes on approach. So yeah, seventh, you know. seventh and four missed cuts. So, I mean, it's like a, like what, like, what yeah, I no, I hear you. The shot shape thing is really interesting. Um, Cause I, I, I agree with you. Berger predominantly hits a fade here, but so does Brooks. I mean, I, I get, I get what you're saying. That's interesting. I, I like Berger this week. I think he is on one of the most underrated iron runs that we've seen in For quite sure. some time. So I'm going to take sure. Berger. He's not lost strokes on approach since uh, his win. That was at Pebble beach. We're nearing a year on that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I agree. I, I love this guy. Like I could not be buying more Daniel Berger stock. I'm happy to see the respect he's getting in sports books and on DFS because he's been absolutely phenomenal. I'm going to take the decky side here, um, which is a little bit scary because it sometimes relies on him putting well, although he's been, uh, he's been very good here at Torrey Pine. So right out of the gate, Andy, we are on opposite sides. So we will, we, one of it. us, I guess this could push and we just both catch a tie, but um, out of the gate, we are on opposite sides. Next one up, Sam Burns versus Dustin Johnson. We talked about DJ a little bit. We haven't spent much time on Sam Burns. Which side do you want? DJ. I assume you're on Burns. Yeah, I am on Burns. So this is going per. This is going just as expected. <laughs> yeah, I. Give me, I don't. Give me I'm DJ. scared. I'm scared. DJ might just win this thing. Like I'm. I would. No one cares about like I imagine he has not touched his clubs in however many months. And I also imagine that does not matter. Yeah. So we talk about like for one and done strategy, the idea of the like forgotten elite, right? And DJ's like, I don't know, what do you think his ownership's gonna be? Eight percent, seven percent? Pretty, pretty, pretty low. I mean, it's also just a stout top of the board with a lot of guys that people are excited about. And there is just nothing to be excited about on Dustin Johnson as up as as opposed to like he his long term form. Like that's that's the thing you go back to DJ on. Yeah. I mean, it's nervy, obviously, but I think when you're getting plus money with DJ, I'm gonna I'm gonna take DJ Burns. This is kind of the event that he started to break out at last year. Uh, was in the final group with Patrick Reed. Had basically his uh, a bottom five putting round on Sunday. Immediately out of the gate, he four putts the first hole from. 35 feet or something outrageous and he never recovered. Um, and then since then he kind of turned into the Sam Burns that the advanced models and the advanced metrics love. So I'll, um, I'll take Burnsy here V DJ. So out of the gate, we're on opposite sides. I have not, I'm, um, I'm, I'm not torn on this one. Speed versus Patrick Reed. What side do you want? I'm going to take Reed. Oh my God. This is not, are you serious? Why would you ever take Patrick Reed here? Have you watched Jordan Spieth's new routine? He's it's, like lost again. It's 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 not pretty actually. He's yet. tinkering with something and I don't want any part of it. He's he was doing this weird over the top move at at yeah. Kapalua and it looks yeah. like what he was doing when he was really fighting it. This is all anecdotal. I do think <laughs> the recent stats do back up that his irons are not there anymore. So give For, me re- Okay. Yeah. Okay. So for sure, the recent Spieth approach numbers are bad, but the 
read ball striking numbers are worse for longer. <laughs> yeah, they certainly are. I think with speed, that's just it's eye test. Something doesn't look right. Do uh, okay. I have a couple questions. So, well, one is a statement. One is a question. I these are probably two of the guys in the field that I have the least confidence in. Me too. Right? Like I am worried kind of for both of these guys, which is why I added this matchup in here. What do you want to do if both guys miss the cut? Do you want to consider that a push? Uh, I know sometimes we would consider that a push, or sometimes we would say, no, no, no. Um, Reed finished T89 and Spieth finished T100. Reed wins the matchup. I think I'm good with a push. I would prefer a push. Okay, I agree with you. Let's do a push. Because once you start getting both guys on the wrong side of the cut line and they stop caring, uh, that's not really indicative of anything. So we'll do, if both guys miss the cut, it's a push, which I think is fair. Let's do a push. I like that. Yeah. John Rom versus Justin Thomas. Rom's a heavy favorite, minus 150. JT plus 120, Andy. I'm going to take Rom. Yeah. That's that's an easy one, right? I mean, it's probably the one that we will lose because we're both going to be on the same side of it, and Rom's the heavy favorite. But what he has done at Torrey Pines is... I'm I'm not actually using this sarcastically. It is Tiger-esque, gaining basically three strokes around. That's what Tiger did in his prime. It's only Rom at in 24 rounds at Torrey Pines or whatever it's been, but uh it's that good. Do you like Justin this week? I, I feel like he's a guy that hasn't I've haven't heard a lot of chatter about him, and and I like Justin a lot this week. I haven't really made a decision on DraftKings yet, but it's tough with Justin because a lot of the times, Rick, is there's always that guy that everyone says, oh, the odds are too low. We can't bet him. And it feels like people are kind of starting to get a little frustrated with them continuing to price JT at like 12 and 13 to one, despite the fact that he hasn't won in a year. Yeah, so I I do like Justin Thomas this week. He's actually a better putter on POA than most other surfaces, and the T to green game is never going to be a problem. And I'm just bullish on him in general because of the way that he kind of projects out and he actually has winning upside. I just think that um, Rom is a buzzsaw, and I'm running out of adjectives. I'm running out of ways to illustrate how much better he is than everyone else in the world. Like it's not, it's not close. And uh, I think JT is running into the bustle. I think that's fair. I think the odds are fair. Um, I would take, I would take Rom. Yeah. All right. So we're both on John Rom here, which takes us to our final matchup. Bryson DeChambeau minus 120 versus Xander Shoffley minus 105. Ah, <sighs> this is the hardest one yet for me. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take Xander. I think that Bryson is a better outright bet than Xander this week, but yeah. in a matchup, if they play this tournament a hundred times, Xander yeah. probably finishes higher than Bryson the majority, right? Correct. Yeah. So I think that's the, that's the way that I went here is, is Xander because of, Right. If you ran this infinity times, the average finish for Xander would be like T18. And okay, let's say a thousand times. Now let's say a hundred times for a round. Because <laughs> <laughs> the next part was going to be hard with with uh with infinity. Um so they ran this a hundred times. The average finish for Xander is probably T18, and he wins it maybe 
four times and misses the cut like very infrequently. Bryson's average finish might be like T37. He wins it more frequently, misses the cut a lot more frequently. So I think in a matchup scenario, you probably have to roll with Xander and you might, and you might lose to a guy who wins the golf tournament. Yep. I com- I agree completely. I'll go Xander. So it looks like we are on the same side of two and on different sides of three. Right. That's so good. we will, um, barring some splits, barring some pushes, we will have uh, one of us out front uh, for next week, which is Pebble Beach. Okay. I still want to, do, we still need to do our one and done. We're going to save that for the end. I want to get into a couple of storylines and I want to go through the chat a little bit. I thought I saw some questions yeah, some in there ones. that. Yeah, that we can roll through. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, throw them in the chat right now. I'm going to take a quick 30-second break. Caesar Sportsbook has a new awesome offer for those who haven't signed up yet. They'll match your first deposit with a free bet up to $1,500 when you deposit at least 50 bucks. That means if you deposit $500, you'll get a $500 free bet credit. It's one of the best offers currently available. And this offer from Caesars and more offers from BetMGM and BetRivers are available at rickrungood.com slash bets. Find your state and find your offer. More states being added often. Good luck. Okay, Andy. So one of the more interesting names this week, uh, Clark kind of pulled out. It's Francesco Molinari. I think people have taken a side on, on Molly here. It's either you're in or you're out. There's really not much in between. Um, how do you feel about Francesco this time around? Uh, out. I'm not playing him. I, I just, I, I feel like playing guys, Lanto could fall into this category too. Tom Hoagie could fall into this category too. This was Michael Thompson last week, right? Like the, the playing guys off of a spike week that aren't actually good over a large sample size. Um, Molinari is a little bit different than Hoagie and Lanto. He's won a major, but you know what I'm talking about the last, two years, year or so. Um, when those guys get a price increase, I, I think it can be, I, I think it's a recipe for, I think I tend to stay away. So I'm not playing Molinari. I'm also out. He is a very hard golfer to model. He's a very hard mm-hmm. golfer to predict. You can look at his results. I'm showing them on YouTube right now. You know, outside of the T6 at the American Express last week, it's not a ton of great play. I know people want to bank on his farmer or his Tory history, which includes a T13 at the US Open last year, but uh, he has such a weird sample size. Even like over the last two years, he has such a weird sample size. I'm just going to take a slower wait and see approach. And if I happen to be late on Molinari, I think I'll survive this. Yes, I'm with you. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I'm I'm not playing Molinari this week. Let's go further down the board. Fritz is asking about favorite outright winners. He lists Aaron Wise question mark Luke List question mark Lonto Griffin question mark. Is there someone? further down the board, Andy, that catches your attention here. So we talked about this a little bit at the top, but I I feel like this week is kind of the inverse strategy you want to take from last week, where for me, like I'm betting a couple favorites, the longest I'm personally betting is that is Wolf. But if you're asking me for, I, I think I like Woodland Woodland's like 150 to one. 
Um, I think you could do worse than, than Aaron wise. Uh, Aaron wise is, I think somebody that we're both pretty high on this year. If I'm picking between those three, I'd pick wise. Um, list did list when, when you looked at the stats with list, did Mm -hmm. he just go crazy for you too? Yeah, but that's not unusual, right? I mean, literally, he has been a model breaker for his entire career because of what I'll show you on screen right now. I mean, it's all green in the ball striking categories and all red in the putting category. So generally, when you start to model this guy out, um, he he pops, but he does have good farmer's history. Like he he has played well at this event. He's got a couple of top 15s, I think. Yeah, 12th at the in 2018, a T10 in 2021. So so yeah, he's he's going to pop. My, the reason I did not bet Luke List and I thought long and hard about it is because on Sunday, you're going to have to make some putts to win. Whoever it is, somebody on Sunday is going to have to make some putts to win and is Luke List that guy? That's why I did not bet him uh nor Keegan Bradley. But those were two that I was like ah, Everything but the putting. Well, what's interesting about list too is Poa's he's been not bad on Poa. Like Poa yeah. has been by far his best service. So that's why, like I I weigh putting. I look at putting, even though it's the less the least predictive statistic. And looking at Poa, Poa putting usually keeps list off like the very top of mine. But this week he's gains on Poa. And so that's why I was a little surprised, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm still dubious about it. When I say he's good on Poa, it's relative. Aaron wise. I bet Aaron wise. He is the longest one on my card. He, I got him at 80 to one. I'm not thrilled about it, but I, I want like, I want to invest in the next 25 events for Aaron wise. And I got a little bit excited because I haven't had a chance to bet him recently. So I pulled the trigger, but there is there. And I worry about this with all these guys that are either in putting rehab or bad putters. If you're on the wrong side of POA, Andy, it will not only physically beat you, it will mentally destroy you. And like, if they start reading this wrong and they start hitting some bad putts, it'll compound. You're going to see guys post some very, poor putting numbers this week because they're going to get on the wrong side of it players will describe poa as a confident surface rick so you're absolutely right like it is there are certain guys like brand snedeker and you read the quotes and they show up to this golf course and they expect to make putts like you have to be aggressive and there are other guys that they don't even want to play this week right there are guys that are hate poa and they don't like playing these events so yes i agree with you um, a ton. It, it can get in your head because you're gonna, you're gonna, you want to know. We're, this is going to be the Super Bowl wreck these next couple of weeks at Pebble, Riviera, and Tory. This is going to be the Super Bowl of players looking at their putter after they miss a putt and yep. saying what happened. The other thing you're going to see is they're going to hit a putt. They're going to walk halfway down the line and they're going to tap down either oh. a spike mark or a POA bud. You're going to see that and be like, oh, it, it kicked to the right. You're going to see that a billion times this week. 100%. This is the, yeah, this will be the Super Bowl of that. Uh, how about this? Ryan Palmer week? Question mark. Palmer's been good at Tory. Played well last time we saw him. Ryan Palmer starting to get a little bit of confidence here, Andy. Yeah, Ryan Palmer's been awesome at Sony. He hit the ball really well at the Sony. I, I played him at the Sony, and he uh, paid off big time for me. 
I, I worry about the price increase though, right? Like he's an, he's an $8,000 golfer now. Um, it, it's the course history is baked into these guys' price. Um, so I'm kind of on the fence with him. Like I would play him at, there's a certain ownership threshold I have with Palmer, but he's not a priority for me. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I, I have a lot of questions about one and done, but I don't want to get there just yet. How about guys like Will Zalatoris, right? Will Zalatoris was really the kind of the moneymaker last week. He was the guy that flew uh, basically underneath the, under the radar, six to 7%. He goes out what he, I don't think he finished. Did he finish T2? Was it that good? Zalatoris, or did he drop there at the end? T6. T6. Okay. Um, I guess when he tapped in on 18, he was, he was T2. So uh, now I think he's catching a lot more steam and people are like, okay, let me get in on Zalatoris. But I, I still have similar, I got, I have similar POA concerns for Willie Z with that putting stroke. He has a legitimate loop in his putting stroke. Yeah. I, he's going to, again, it's like, what's the ownership threshold for you on Zalatoris? Because it's going to be, it's going to be really high. And I think there are some interesting pivots in that range. If you want to place an outright on Willie Z, I've got no problem with that. I saw he was a, like, he opened at 40 to one. And I think a lot of people hit that number. I was not able to get that number. So I, I don't really have a ton of interest in betting Zalatoris at like 30 to one or playing a 18% Zalatoris on DraftKings. Although I like this fit for him on paper rec, like comparatively speaking relative to the field, he's a much better long iron player than he is a wedge player. Like his game should set up very well for long and difficult courses. So I get it in that respect. Cody wants to know if you would rather eat the Finau Palmer chalk in DFS or pivot to Wolf and Homa. We haven't said a word about Max Homa yet. He has been generally better on more difficult setups. And he's a, obviously a California guy knows how to put on Poa. Pivot. Pivot. Uh, pivot. Although I don't, I don't think, I don't think that Homa is going to be under the radar. I think Homa will garner some, some ownership too. Um, always pivot. Like mid, here's the thing. Play chalk at the very top right? Like play expensive chalk once you get into, and I guess these like 8k chalk will work out sometimes and high 7k chalk will work out sometimes. Uh, but the lower we get in pricing, that's the more troubling that chalk gets. So I would pivot. Pivot from Finau to uh, Finau and Palmer to Wolf and Homa. I am scared, but that would that would be the pivot to make. That would make you all the money. Did you see what the uh, Did you see what the optimal lineup was last week? And did you see how much it cost? Uh, it was like forty k, right? It was yeah. Hudson. Let me see if I can actually. I'm gonna yeah. try to pull this up. It is. Uh, hold on, bear with me here for one second. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up. Yeah, it was quite cheap. It was. Stand by. Here we go. There it is. Forty. $3,000 in total. Hudson Swafford, Brian Harmon, Tom Hoagie, Lonto Griffin, Lee Hodges, Francesco Molinari scored 761 points, the best possible lineup you could have made. Also, you could have swapped out Francesco Molinari for uh, Denny McCarthy and gotten uh, a similar result. This is a pretty extreme optimal that left $7,000 on the table. Andy, I would think this week with... Um, kind of the better names in the field and the the 
less randomness in a two-course rotation that we know a lot about to a three-course rotation. I imagine we're going to be a lot closer to $50,000, but have you been messing around, tinkering with leaving substantial amounts on the table? Uh, not substantial, but yeah, I, I think you have to leave some money on the table sometimes, like, especially like there's a lot of different ways to differentiate yourself. Like if you love some of the chalkier players, you can still play some of those guys, as long as you're willing to leave some money on the table and get different in that respect. You know, I am a lot of the guys that I like are a little bit lower owned, so I'm not, I'm not super, super concerned, but yeah, I, I, kind of it took me a while to like learn DraftKings Rick and you have to do stuff that makes you feel uncomfortable like you have to play guys sometimes yes. that have read on Rick run good you have to play guys that maybe didn't pop in your handicapping process because it's a game of leverage not a game of handicapping DFS is so hard it's like I describe it as like uh well and and this is like to win all the money right not to like if you want to double up or whatever, but like I just, it's basically a six leg parlay every day for four days, right? Like your six guys like have to basically play well, not maybe not the best every day, but they have to play well basically every day for four straight days, all six of them. And Oh, by the way, uh, they're not on teams. So you don't get the benefit of like your quarterback throwing to your wide receiver and you can pump it, pump up some points that way. It's like six individual legs of a parlay four times in a row. Yeah. It's, it's dirty. It's, it's dirty. It's dirty, but it's a, it's a ton of fun. It is a ton of fun, but you just have to be uncomfortable sometimes. Matt wants to know, and I think we kind of alluded to this, so we might've covered this already. Isn't Matthew Wolf the perfect GPP play this week was 20% owned, burned a lot of people, people has the same odds as the golfers in this range. And it's a far better course fit for him. Yes. The answer is yes. I know. I think I know Matt. He uh, we've DM'd a little bit before. Yeah, I love Wolf. I'm super high on Wolf. I think he's going to be like seven, eight percent. He's uh, he's in my big lineup. I am not as excited, but I get it, and I also have under. I have also understood that because I bet him last week, I have to bet him again, and. <laughs> Right. Like, which is weird, right? This is also a weird thing. So the other mistake that I think a lot of people make in betting outrights, and I know the question for Matt was about, was about DFS, but like in betting outrights, there are just guys that are trending and most people will make one bet. He won't win. They'll move on. And then he'll win the next week or he'll win two weeks after that. Something like that. There's just, I I'm, I'm in on this wolf thing for, for a two week stretch. And I've, and I'm at peace with that, even though I'm probably going to lose my money. Well, yeah, it's just, it's the worst feeling. Like I was in on, I loved Hoagie at the Sony open and I jumped off him for the Amex and that feeling, um, uh, when Hoagie was in contention, like it is the worst feeling ever, the worst feeling ever. Um, but yeah, I love Wolf this week. Hmm. Uh, real quick. I don't know if you play cash games, but Kevin says, would you rather start Brooks and Finau or Xander and Will Zalatoris. Ooh. I think Xander and Will, right? I mean, isn't Brooks... I mean, I don't play the cash games, but like... Me neither. Playing Brooks in a cash game feels wrong. Xander and Will. I think it's Xander and Will as well. Um, Wait, hold on. I want to do... We skipped over one comment from Mike. 
just Mike DM me. That's a whole different podcast, but DM me. I'm happy to. Was give this you about the of- architecture stuff? Yeah. So I was. Yeah. Gonna, I was going to save this. So uh, Mike okay. wants Andy to recommend a good course architecture book, which feels like more than a thirty second conversation. It feels like um, you guys are are you know would become pen pals in this category. Mike DM me. I'm happy to share you a million recommendations. Start with Doke and then go to Shackleford, and we'll talk. We can we can talk. Just DM me. Okay. Um, we have to do our one and done. And I want to talk about a couple of other things real quick. Keep the comments in the chat coming. We've got uh, a little bit more time here, but we're going to take 30 quick seconds. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. Rickrungood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel, currently 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. I'm interested to see what the broadcast does this week about Patrick Reed because they are always thrilled to lean into our defending champion wherever it is, right? There's going to be segments, there's going to be stories, there's going to be comments, there's going to be questions, but uh, they can't show last year's highlights without showing the left-hand side of the green on number 10. Right. That's where he did this, where they the infamous I picked up my ball and moved it over here before a ruling gets here. So uh, how do you think the coverage will handle Patrick Reed as our 2021 victor? I think that with I think I'm trying to remember, like, do you remember? I feel like on the broadcast last year, they were surprisingly tough on him when it was happening. And a lot of the times they handle that stuff with kid gloves on, but I kind of have a weird memory of them actually kind of going at Reed. So do I. I think that they also did like, um, I I don't know if it was Colt Nost who was on the call or somebody like that, but he was like, I've never seen a player pick up their ball and move it six feet away before. Like that has never, I've never under any circumstance seen that you just call the official and you wait and you don't touch anything. So I I think you're right that they were like, maybe not super critical, but like, this is weird. Yeah. And it, you get the player quotes after and that it just made the situation worse. Like, did you hear what Xander said? He was like, yeah, I just wouldn't do this. So I can't really relate. Yeah. So good. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's, this is where we found out Reed has a burner and no one ever. Okay. The biggest crime, actually I have a media credential this week and I would lose it very quickly. I imagine if I asked this, but um, no one ever asked like, Hey, Patrick Reed, your official official Twitter account tweeted out the same exact thing as this other Twitter account that has been shredding members of the United States Ryder Cup team and having all of these crazy takes against your peers and captains and all this stuff. Would you like to comment on that? Like that was never asked after this. How is that possible? We could do like a, bu- you know how they have, like bottle episodes in television, like in Breaking Bad, where they just go in a completely different direction for one episode. Yeah. I have so many takes on used golf facts. Like that is oh. that is one of the most fascinating slash underreported 
stories that we have in golf right now. I mean, it is just, it is such a strange situation uh, that we could do another hour or two if, on. If, uh, if I ask Patrick Reed this week about it and lose my credential slash job, we're going to have to start a GoFundMe to make me whole yeah. because uh, it's a question that needs to be asked. The golf community is, is, is dying for it, but uh, I'm not sure I'll, I'll touch it this week. Um, did you know the purse is $1.5 million? So it is up to basically 200,000 from last year. It's up 300,000 from Justin, the year Justin Rose won it. I mean, we are entering kind of the tier of invitational payouts here. Yeah, it's big. And that's goes back to one and done, right? Is it's like, this is, that was the segue. You're professional. Yes, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is, this is probably the week where, not a major, not the players, but it's in that tier right below. So what do we do in one and done? Because there are a lot of, so I find it to be a fascinating week. There are a lot of good golfers at the top. It's early in the year, which means you have everyone available, Uh, but you might want to be saving some of these guys for major championships to see them down the road when maybe they're in a little bit of better form. I find this to be, a fascinating week. And also I think there's a lot of right answers, right? Or, or maybe there's not a lot of wrong answers. I think some weeks there are, are objectively wrong answers and objectively right answers. I think there's no wrong answers this week. Yes. Okay. So I think that you either like, who do you think is going to have the highest percentage in the Rick run good one and done like Finau? Finau will be very popular. Yes. I think, okay. So my guesses would be Finau and Xander Rick. I would concur. Um, Yes. People will save Rom. Okay. But I would say you could make a case that Rom and JT are the plays. I would concur. If you're trying to, right. So there is, there is a, a rare opportunity to get a guy who has by implied sports book odds, twice the win equity, of the next closest golfer, I'm referring to John Rahm here, who has shredded this golf course, I'm still referring to John Rahm here, who most people will not play because they're going to save him for a major championship. 1.5 million up top is better than finishing basically second at any major, right? I, I mean, that's a lot of, it's a lot of moolah. It's a lot of money. And now I'm work. Can we just get into it? Can I reveal my pick? Yeah, you can. We've done, we've tiptoed around this enough. Go ahead. So Rom is my guy. I'm picking Rom this week, and the reason wow, why I'm, I'm so upset by this that's the, I think it's a great pick. I'm upset. I think it's a great pick, and you know we talked a lot about the major championships. Um, we did a show together <laughs> last week that I think is coming out soon, where we kind of dug into the courses a little bit. I don't have Rom penciled in to win a major this year. And mm. I have specific guys that I like for those majors that I feel really good about. So this, I feel really comfortable using Rom here. Um, go ahead. I thought long and hard about this. I, I, the only other, cause I agree with you. I would rather be, you know, the major setups are whatever for Rom. And I would rather be a little bit different with some of my top guys. So I think I might end up playing Rom at the players because the players is going to have the 20 million bucks and yeah. first is going to be over three. And he's had 
some close calls there. Probably should have won one of them. I, I so I convinced myself to to hold Rom, uh, and I and I went with Finau for our purposes. Uh, if I was in a larger pool with more people, I would maybe not consider Tony Finau. But I sat and I stared at John Rom and Tony Finau for a very long time. Yeah, and that contest size matters. I think. You know, think about guys generally. Like, I don't think a lot of people are going to pick Hideki this week. I think Hideki's a pretty solid one and done guy. So I completely agree with you. It's always weird when a guy wins recently, right? Because most people are like, well, he can't do it again. I, I mean, yeah. can't. Why can't he? He's still very good at golf. Yeah. It, no, that's the thing with Hideki. It's like, can Hideki win three times in six starts? Right. right? And it's like, well, yeah, like he can. <laughs> And he's won two and five. So I guess maybe he can win three and six. (laughs) Yeah. So I think contest size matters, obviously. Um, But I I think a good pivot this week, I I think JT is a good play too, because I don't think a lot of people are going to think about JT here. So we're going with Finau and Rom. I saw a couple of questions inside uh, the chat here. And I think this is always, it's always interesting early in the year, chunk, the deuce asked about Mark Leishman. And I think on paper, I get this, Andy, right? You've got Leishman who has been great at Tory. He's won here, even though he did it in a way that I, I do not believe is sustainable. Uh, but I always go back to the question of, do you have to play Mark Leishman? Like when we are 35 events done and you look back and you did not play Mark Leishman, are you going to be upset about that? No, I don't think so. I don't Leishman like there's what people forget is that there's always guys that kind of emerge. Like there's going to be guys that we're going to get to the window. And it's like Aaron wise is like six top twenties in a row and is 25 to one. You know what I mean? Like, so there's going to be guys that you don't think you're going to want to use that will emerge. So that's why I always say, don't be okay burning some of the big dogs and worry about it later. And that I've been good at one and done. I've also had really bad years at one and done too, but that's the strategy that I've done with middling success. Which I agree with put foot on gas and worry about uh, trying to cross the finish line on fumes uh, later in the season. The other thing is when I set my entire season schedule, I had Victor set for this event. And he is in Dubai, which I think in the last couple of years, I've only had to swap guys out maybe three total times. And I had to do it the third week of the year. Um, so that kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. So I, I swapped Victor and Tony Finau, but I, I would have loved to have uh, to use Victor here. So Rick, is, is Hovland playing the Saudi event next week too? No. Interesting. So he's playing in Dubai this week, but not the Saudi next I'm week. almost positive about that. Um, because I did not see him in any no, he's doing he's doing the Middle East, but I don't think he's doing Saudi Arabia. Again, different podcast, but uh, that's it's such a bummer. Like I would love to see Hovland here. I think Pebble Beach is such an awesome golf course next week, too. And Daniel Berger is gonna be like six to one, and you know, Xander and all the guys are gonna be in Saudi. Yeah, so uh, I'm looking up the field right now. Victor's not in that field, which uh, I guess technically could change, but I think they would have announced it by now because they would have um, 
ponied up that cash and it would have been announced and they want to get their, they want to get their press for it. So uh, yeah. Oh, next week. Yeah. Vi- uh, Daniel Berger, what he's going to be the heavy favorite, right? I mean, he's 20 to one this week. And uh, of the guys that are at the top of the board, what is speed going to play it? Speed yeah, generally speed, plays Pebble. Cause he's an, I'll give you guy. another prediction. Matt McNeely might be 20 to one. Yeah. I might be right. It's going to be a very, the, everyone is overseas. Um, yeah. Burger is going to be, yeah, he's going to be like six to one. Yeah. And McNeely's got the, he's got a house on the course and everything and second here last year. So my favorite Mav McNeely story is that, um, <laughs> he wasn't allowed to play Pebble beach until he was 16 or whatever. And I was like the horror, the horror of not being allowed to play Pebble until you're 16 Maverick. I'm so sorry. But like, um, for being the son of a billionaire, he's like a very grounded, normal person, which I guess is so. I know we're, 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 we're basically done on time, but have you actually gotten a chance to see the house? Because Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to play pebble about a year and a half ago. And the caddy that we had uh, pointed it out to us. It is that it is one of the most phenomenal, exquisite pieces of real estate. I think in the world, it is like right on the water on the 10th hole I was like, what? I could not imagine growing up there. And it's like their summer house. I love it. Um, hey, if you if you can get it, uh, enjoy it. I love it. The other thing, final thing, we'll get out of here. You and I will be at Tory Pines. Uh, Friday's show, Friday's scramble, will be an hour earlier than normal. So it'll be 11 a.m. Eastern time. I will be on the course Friday and Saturday. I believe you will as well, Andy, correct? Friday and Saturday. That's right. I'm driving up to San Diego right after our show. So I'll probably be there by one or two on Friday and then all day Saturday. Okay. I will at some point uh, tweet out uh, mine or our position. If you are going to be there and you want to come say what's up or you want to come make sure to avoid us. I don't know what it is, but we will, we will hang in a certain spot and let everybody know, but it should be a blast, bud. I'm stoked for this. I can't wait, man. I'm super excited. Um, should be fun. Should be fun. Should be a very fun tournament. Go Xander. Uh, okay. Go Xander. That's fine. Um, <laughs> all right. That'll do it for this Tuesday scramble again, Friday morning, 11 AM Eastern will be the next time you'll see the scramble. Also follow Andy on Twitter at ADP lack sports. You can find me at Rick run good, and we will catch you next time.